Welcome back to the Durham Club podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have Jeff Batard here, the man behind a brand that's become a cornerstone in the sunscreen market and frankly, in my own sunscreen closet. Here I have the Blue Lizard sunscreen I wear all the time. And he is the man behind Blue Lizard Australian sunscreen. Jeff is not only the founder and CEO of Blue Lizard Sunscreen, but he's also the CEO and president of Crown Laboratories. Crown Laboratories, a pioneer in the skincare sector that handles an impressive portfolio that includes aesthetics, prescriptions, therapeutics, all in the dermatology and skincare space. In our conversation today, we'll explore the origin and inspiration behind Blue Lizard, understand its unique position in the sunscreen industry, and reflect on the changes and trends shaping the sunscreen space. We'll also delve into the global market landscape and discuss Crown Laboratories' approach to product diversification in skincare. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome, Jeff. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks so much, Hannah. It's a, a real pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to uh, talk with you today and, and share some light around the sun care uh, landscape uh, and skincare landscape around the world. Great. So, Jeff, let's just start off. Could you start by sharing the story behind Blue Lizard? What inspired you to create this brand? You know, it it, it goes all the way back to 1995, and, and a fellow dermatologist, Dr. Mark Rubin, introduced me to a gentleman in Sydney, Australia, whose family had launched a sunscreen brand in Australia, and, and those that are sun care aficionados, so to speak, they know that Australia is probably globally the best sunscreen manufacturer and developing company or country in the world. And so I, I got a chance to, to meet Pete Moore, who was um, uh, launched a small little brand in Australia called Blue Lizard. I flew to Sydney and we talked about how we would introduce that uh, sunscreen in the U.S. market. At that time in 1994, there was basically no zinc oxide only based products. It was uh, kind of foreboding at the time because everybody thought it was white cast. They remembered how lifeguards in the 70s put zinc oxide paste on their noses, um, but nobody had really launched a, a clear uh, zinc oxide based sunscreen. And then the unique thing um, that we decided in, in launching it is the educational piece. Many people who've used Blue Lizard know about the UV uh, color change bottle and color change cap. And that really had a purpose beyond just a, a neat little package. Um, what we did is we searched for a um, UV absorbing uh, light, kind of like the, the changing glasses for sun, uh, sun um, glasses for uh, prescriptions. And um, I, I still wear mine. <laughs> they say it's the most embarrassing thing about me, but I love my transition lenses. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, you know, exactly what the, the bottle is with Blue Lizard. So it basically kicks in about 340 nanometers. And as you know, that's kind of the heart of the UVA spectrum. Um, that goes out to, uh, you know, 380, 400, and it changes color. And, and the more intense, the more intense the UVA exposure. So it really educated people that UVA is uh, a wavelength that travels through glass that can reflect off sun. So you can be sitting under an umbrella in complete shade and the bottle will be bright blue. 
well, that means you're getting a lot of reflective UVA. So you may not burn, but you're still getting exposed to that. So all that put together, we decided that we really wanted to launch um, a zinc oxide-based educational dermatology-recommended sunscreen in the U.S. And so we brought that uh, to the country in 1998. So it took us three years to go from beginning to uh, launch in the U.S. You know, I was waiting for you for a long time because when I was in camp, a day camp many years ago already, um, I used to, they used to, we obviously, they used to send us with sunscreen and we would, all the counselors would put sunscreen on us and they would be using, I'm not going to name the brand, but they would put on this chemical based sunscreen and my skin would, I felt like I was on fire and I was clearly sensitive and allergic to the chemical based ingredients they were using. But at the time there was, like you said, there was really no zinc oxide products that you, yeah, we, I knew about the lifeguard products that the pastiness under their eyes, but there was no like mainstream zinc oxide product um, that people were really using. And it, it made me like really resistant to putting on sunscreen. And now obviously as a rising dermatologist, I am all for sunscreen and I smother myself in this stuff. Um, thanks to you, but, um, it's also so unique and so cool about the bottle because I actually recently did a YouTube video on um, my favorite um, sunscreens for kids. And I sent it to all my friends and I said, check out this video. And I said, my highlight of this video was that the blue lizard pediatric bottle that turns pink and it's so unique. So, and I really appreciate that educational component of um, the sunscreen. And it's a great reminder that when people are in dangerous sunlight it's a reminder to look at that bottle and know put it on yeah there's no doubt about it and, and look i've been in dermatology since 1984 and specifically in the sun care categories as i said since 1995 and when we first started there were still so many sunscreens out there with spf4 spf8 spf15 and now the landscape is is greatly different. And as I said, we were the first zinc oxide uh, sunscreen to launch in the U.S. in in 1998. And it was a uphill battle because so many of the large companies were just UV absorbers, right? That's all there was. It was a different feel, a different texture that a consumer or a patient would put on their skin, and it took a little get getting used to. And so, um, you know, when we went in and started talking about uh, zinc oxide and how it works compared to UV absorbers, it took a little bit of education, too, to get it, uh, you know, ingrained in, in everyday use. But today, uh, the vast majority of, of sun care products at least have some form of mineral-based or, or um, you know, blocking capability through the minerals, either titanium or zinc oxide. Right. And I know they've come a long way also in terms of the cosmetic um, appearance to it, because I know recent, I don't know how recent, but recently I discovered the sheer zinc blue lizard for the face yes. and I really enjoy it. It doesn't have that pasty look to it. So that's one of my go-tos in my uh, sunscreen closet. So let's moving on. What do you believe sets blue lizard apart in the crowded sunscreen market? As you said, you know, there's a lot of sunscreens out there and a lot of transitions being made. How does the blue lizard set your, like, how does it stand out? How do you set yourself apart? Well, and, and it's very difficult today since the FDA 
published their final sunscreen monograph, um, you know, about a decade ago now, because it limits what you can describe as your products, features, and benefits. It's pretty much the best you can say is 80 minutes water uh, or water resistant. The best you can kind of say is, is uh, you know, SPF 30, SPF 50, whatever that may be. Uh, you can't really describe a lot of the features on the package or even in marketing materials. So what really sets us apart is really the heritage that we started with. All our sunscreens are tested per Australian standards, not U.S. So although we can't describe on the bottle that, for example, our product stays water resistant for 240 minutes, we test to that. So when you think about Blue Lizard, it is the Australian heritage sunscreen in a very crowded U.S. market. So what we can tell the consumer about the product is one thing, but how it actually performs in the uh, environment in which you need it to do uh, uh, its protection outside, playing golf, playing tennis, swimming, um, just uh, everyday activities. It is one of the most robust sunscreens in terms of water protection and UV protection out there. And it's basically because it's all those Australian standards we meet. So that brings me to my next point, and that's, you know, the U.S. and the FDA has taken, has been many years. I think it's the last time that they changed their regulations was in 1999, if I'm not mistaken. And um, as you, I'm sure you know that in many other global markets like Korea, some in Europe, um, Australia, they're developing advanced UV filters. UVA and UVB, like Tinosorb S, Tinosorb M, um, Uvenol A, just to name a few. And they're also using, I know um, on these Korean sunscreens and on some other sunscreens, or actually I've started to see this in the US, they're using the PA rating system, which describes to you um, the UVA rays, because as we know, the SPF is really focused on the UVB rays and the, the PA system is telling you how effective you are from protecting you against those aging uh, from fine lines and wrinkles from the sun that's causing those things. So because the FDA has regulated the sunscreen market and that's okay because I know they treat it as an over-the-counter drug. Um, do you think that we're lagging behind in that aspect and how is Blue Lizard addressing this in the United States? Well, first and foremost, no doubt we're lagging behind the rest of the country. And, and you're right. The last time an active ingredient uh, that has been added to the monograph for sun, uh, sunscreens was 1999. Tinazorb, um, we were actually formulating and working with, um, you know, the owner and manufacturer supplier of Tinazorb for a couple decades um, in, in hopes that it would be approved here in the U.S., I think the FDA has set unrealistic expectations in getting these APIs approved in the U.S. I don't hold a lot of hope that we'll see a new active sunscreen ingredient in the next decades or ever again. Uh, they're just the financial cost to prove stability and efficaciousness and, and getting it uh, toxicology, getting all that through the FDA just doesn't pay a benefit to those manufacturers. Uh, and it's such a different playing field than, than what it is in internationally versus the US. So it's very difficult for us as a, as a manufacturer and formulator uh, to push the FDA there because um, you know the, the, the cost uh, risk benefit just isn't there to go push for another active ingredient. 
So we focus on what we consider to be the premium ingredient anyway, which is zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Um, but there are a number of ingredients out there that perform beneficial um, things in the sun care market that the U.S. consumer just doesn't get a chance to try. And not everybody wants a, a mineral-based sunscreen, so it would be good if we upgraded those UV absorbers that seem to be um, you know, doing very well outside the U.S. Yeah, because they, I think their pitch is that they're more cosmetically appealing, but with still having this protection that you can get in the mineral-based sunscreens, you, you they're more cosmetically appealing. So it makes it really difficult. And what I've heard is that, like you mentioned, that it's, it is very, it's a costly venture because say Crown Laboratories says, okay, like you've mentioned, we're going to work on a filter for Tinsorb and it costs you a lot of money to you know, start working on that filter and a lot of money goes into it, but then you don't even know if the government will even approve the filter. And like you said, it, it sounds like it's doesn't, it's not in the cards because there's no necessity um, to put that money into it. Um, well, and the, and the other thing that's going on too, um, that, that you're probably aware of is the, the environmental impact that many groups are saying things like oxybenzone and octocrylene and octanoxate in terms of reef safe, um, products or environmental products that get, um, you know, washed into the water system or absorption into the bloodstream. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big believer that, that any of those um, UV absorbers actually um, are causing, you know, reef damage or, or are being absorbed um, dramatically into the bloodstream. But there's been a lot of researchers out there that certainly have talked about it. So that hinders people from wanting to go with a UV absorber with the, the risk that an environmental group could have you kind of locked out at some point as well. But that's what Blue Lizard does really well. They're so environmentally friendly and they're reef friendly, um, reef safe. So um, I do yes. have one question that I've always wondered, what does it mean when a sunscreen is gluten free? You know, <laughs> I get that question a lot. And, and um, you know, Basically, what that means is, is that all of the active ingredients in the packaging um, do not come in contact that anything would have that would have gluten in it. So it is pure in that in that sense. Um, I, I laugh about it all the time, too, because, you know, once again, you're not um, eating your sunscreen. <laughs> right, you're not you're not eating it. Um, I think it's um, certainly a good marketing claim. And there's a lot of people that are highly gluten sensitive and, and anybody that feels like sunscreen could potentially get absorbed into the bloodstream, um, this would be safe for anybody that's gluten, uh, gluten intolerant. Got it. So the sunscreen industry, as we've mentioned, has seen significant changes over the years and obviously some limitations. Um, could you talk about these shifts and how you it's influenced your work at Blue Lizard? Well, we have, um, you know, we've evolved over over the, the years and certainly spent a lot of time thinking about innovation and where where to take the, the product next. Um, you know, certainly we're aware of, of the UV absorbers and, and we started with products that had a mix of zinc oxide along with three UV um, B absorbers. And that product was in our regular and sport formula. Now we have evolved to be um, almost 100% just zinc oxide or titanium and zinc oxide products. So as the, the decades have evolved and people have gone more to that um, blocking capability and wanted to get away from the organic uh, 
uh, carbon-based, uh, you know, absorbers, we've moved that way. Just to within the last couple of years, and you've you've shown uh, the spray. I was a a big advocate not to launch a spray until we could have a spray that really truly was going to work and was um, sort of human proof. Because as as you've probably sat at a pool and saw people spray their um, you know spray sunscreens a foot away from them, and you see it go away in the wind, and maybe they get a little bit on their skin. I didn't want to put something out there that wasn't going to truly protect. And, and when we did finally launch the uh, zinc oxide based uh, spray, it works, it goes on the skin and it protects uh, to the level it says. So we're constantly thinking about those innovations, uh, thinking about scalp health as well and how you get zinc oxides to go into the scalp. Um, and hopefully we'll have some you know significant innovations there in the next year or two. Um, but overall, it's about education. The best sunscreen that you can put on the market is one that the consumer is going to use. And so we always keep that in mind. How are we going to get people to want to put this on? It was easy with the color change bottle and kids early on because they loved that aspect of it. And they were like, mommy, mommy, or dad, please you know, put this on. And they loved the color change bottle. And then I would hear from people, a lot of dermatologists who used it on their families, look, we went out and swam in the ocean all day, or we went to the pool. And when I changed my kids' clothes, there were no tan lines anywhere. So you knew it really worked as well. So it had the double benefit of the kids wanting to use it and the, the uh, parents being very comfortable in, in the product that they chose. Yeah, I could say the same thing. Like I'm a big, I'm an avid biker, or I don't know if I could call myself avid, but I, I bike frequently and I obviously want to protect my skin. And I always say like, if there's one sunscreen that I would reach for to know that like, I'm going to be covered, even if I'm out there for a couple hours, I, I go, it's the blue lizard. Um, just, it just, there's something about it. I don't know if it's that you see, especially with the spray, you see the white, you know, pastiness go on. So, you know, like the areas you missed and the areas you didn't get, or the areas you put it on. But also I know that it's not a sunscreen that I'm going to have any sort of reaction to. It's great for sensitive skin, great for someone with atopic dermatitis, eczema. So, um, and if someone with atopic dermatitis or eczema can tolerate this, then anybody can. Um, so it's, you know, it's definitely feels very protecting. Um, and I always tell my patients and friends to use it. Um, so Blue Lizard, as we know, and as I mentioned earlier, is a part of a broader portfolio under the Crown Laboratories, which covers everything from aesthetics to prescriptions and therapeutics. Just to mention one is Sarna Lotion. Um, how do you approach product diversification within the skincare spectrum under the umbrella of Crown Laboratories? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and it goes right to our tagline, which is more than just a tagline, but it's crown skin science for life. And so first uh, off, we want to be able to solve skin disease solutions for patients through their entire uh, lifetime of skin health. So we have obviously sunscreens and, and products for infants all the way through toddlers, teenage years, midlife, anti-aging later, uh, and then, um, you know, prescription drugs that, that take you through anti-inflammatories, you know, topical steroids, things like that. So the first thing we think about is skin science applied to every type of skin disease that a, a patient could have through their lifetime journey. And then we break it into three different kind of areas of expertise, 
our one area is, is medical aesthetics, which is a huge field. And we do that with our microneedling device, skin pen, uh, and then PRP, our platelet-rich plasma program, Progen uh, Eclipse PRP. And then we just launched the first living um, uh, microbe uh, technology in our BioJuve um, skincare line, where there's actually live bacteria, much like um, prebiotic uh, yogurts that rebalances the, the microbiome of the skin. So that came out of uh, the science that we developed over a couple decades in that space. And then of course, you mentioned the therapeutic products. It's not only Blue Lizard, but it's Panoxyl, it's uh, Zeazorb, it's Sarna, it's Desinex. Those are all focused obviously on OTC monographed products. So they all fit in that category and they do something to, um, to help um, control like acne for, for Panoxyl, which is now the number one acne, OTC acne product in the US. And then we have a premium anti-aging division, which is led by Strivectin, which is our um, you know, premium skincare line with things like vitamin C and hyaluronic acid and niacinamides and, and things that are more anti-aging focused and uh, um, good for overall general skin health and, and anti-wrinkle and, and all those things. So we, we cover the broad spectrum. Uh, within uh, the categories that consumers seek skin uh, skin health solutions. It's interesting because also I think you make sure that you allow, it's very affordable and all your, like all the products, Panoxyl, and as you said, Panoxyl is sold so frequently. I mean, I recommend it all the time. Um, I use it myself. But I, I think you've done a great job in making sure that everyone has, there's equal access to the, these products because they're really affordable and they could potentially be life-changing. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, look, I, you know, I think uh, medical dermatology got a bit of a wrap with some companies that had kind of price gouged on some topical creams that, uh, you know, all of a sudden you saw somebody charging $1,000 for a 15 gram tube of a, of a, you know, steroid product that, is pretty, you know, pretty uh, uh, well-known active ingredient. So having it affordable, having it accessible, um, you know, making sure it's available at multiple locations so it's not something hard to find is, has really been part of our strategy commercially. And, and I think we've done a good job with that. Well, you certainly have. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add that we may have not touched upon today? I, you know, I think we did a pretty good job there. Uh, uh, unless there's something that you want to speak about further, I'm I'm happy with what we did. No, I, you know, I, you gave me a lot of insight into Blue Lizard and into Crown Laboratories, and I enjoyed our time today. Thank you for sharing with us, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Well, thank you, and, and you have a great day, and thanks for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Derm Club podcast. If you found the discussion today to be valuable, please subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as we continue to delve into dermatology and skincare with the world experts.